0: Let us begin with a little pandemic. Corporate confession. When I ask a few questions, you can raise your hand based on your responses uh, if you've done these things. Number one, have you watched TV for more than four hours in one setting without getting off the couch? Raise your hand if you've done this in the pandemic, sometime in the last six months. Question two, have you eaten? More candy than normal in the last five, six months. Anybody? Okay. That's not a lot of candy eaters. That's fine. That's good. Has anybody bathed less than is socially acceptable during the last five months? Anybody? Final question. Has anybody decluttered their cupboard or cabinet and found something that is extremely grossly expired. Anybody? Okay. Good to know. From a church perspective, there have been a few things we've had to put on the back shelf for the last few months. In fact, back in March when this all came out, we were actually planning on having a Sunday in which we updated our church family on an initiative we've been Uh, Doing the last three years, believe it or not, whether or not you remember this, we are actually still in the middle of the largest financial campaign in Memorial Road's history. It's called the Imagine Campaign. So about three years ago, we set out to eliminate our debt. We were about $4.5 million in debt, and we started dreaming about what it would be like to reduce that drastically or eliminate it and so we started dreaming about all the the kinds of things that we could do with that freed up money Think uh things like starting a a senior care or senior uh, citizen ministry which which we really need at uh, our church family we, we, we talked about really taking our church plants to the next level uh, we talked about what it would look like to take our current grassroots foster and adoption emphasis at memorial road and and take that to even a more robust ministry. We talked about what it would look like to create a community care center in which we would take our benevolence ministry and our counseling ministry and and really beef those up to levels we've never seen before so as to create more of an impact in the community, really the mental health in our whole community more so than we have ever done. So we had lots of dreams of what we would do with all this money that we had freed up. In fact, before COVID, we were hoping that today we could get up and launch our school year theme, which we had planned to call Imagine. And our goal was we we wanted to spend this coming school year finishing strong. We wanted to take all these dreams and all these initiatives and actually bring them into reality. At least that was plan A. And then the pandemic hit, and it all got moved to the back shelf. But I do want to let you know three things about the Imagine campaign. Number one, even though we haven't been pushing the campaign and haven't really been talking about it at all, you as the church family have still given throughout the last five months. In fact, you've given $194,000 since the pandemic hit towards the Imagine campaign. 75% of our pledges that were initially made three years ago have already come through. And so we started in, at $4.5 million in debt, and today that number is down to $1.3 million, which is absolutely remarkable. <clears throat> the second thing I want to let you know about the Imagine Campaign is that when the timing is right, we are going to put that initiative back in front of you in more of a front and center way the dreams are still happening as as behind the scenes we're we're still thinking about them but we do feel like timing wise right now in the middle of a pandemic is not is not the time uh, to push this campaign on you again so I would say obviously if you feel like you're in a financial place to give you are welcome to continue to give towards the campaign and to make the pledges that you you made three years ago but I do want you to know where Right now, we're not going to push that. There will come a date in the future in in which we do uh, put that back out to you in more of an official way. Third thing I want you to know about the Imagine campaign is that we are going to talk about Imagine this year. But in the year of Plan B's and Plan C's and Plan Ds, and where everybody has got used to pivoting, we're going to add two letters onto that theme. And instead of calling it Imagine, we're going to call it re imagine because that's where a lot of us are. We have imagined what life could look like, and we have our, our dreams, and we had our ideas of what we thought might, life might look like, and our relationships might look like, and our job might look like, and our friendships might look like, and our finances might look like. But all of that has gone off the rails, and so we're in this strange season where what's really needed is reimagination. What do we do now that, that everything is is absolutely not the way that we thought it would be. Because we're in the middle of it, sometimes we forget how, how drastic it is. So let me just be clear. We are going through the most disruptive thing that our world has seen in a century, or at least since World War II. This pandemic has lasted longer. It's been felt more deeply than any of us have ever imagined. And so we're going to do some reimagining. I've been listening to you over the last few months, and and here's some of the things that I've heard from you, the church family. Some of you have told me that your relationships are in complete disarray. Social distancing has led to social isolation, and you feel more disconnected from other people than you felt in a really long time. And if that's you, I'd really encourage you to tune in next week, come back next week, That's what we're going to talk about next week, and we're going to make next week really a push to reconnect. Others of you have told me that your relationship with God is on the rocks. You went into the pandemic thinking, well, I'm going to have more time to read my Bible and pray, and that just didn't happen, and so you don't feel close to God at all. And some of you have even told me that you'd go further than that and say that your faith itself is in a pretty weak place. Like you find yourself asking questions you never thought you'd ask. You find yourself wondering, where is God in the middle of all this? You find yourself wondering if there really even was a God who loved you, why he would let this happen. Others of you have have talked about your family life, it's not where you thought it would be. You've talked about your finances are not where you want it to be. Your dating life's not where you wanted it to be. Your school, it's not where you wanted it to be. We're just off. And so we're going to spend a few weeks at the start of this school year talking about re-imagination. We can't go back, but I do think that we can go forward. And so today is actually a super, super simple message. I've got one idea that I want to give to you. And then in just a minute, Andy's going to get up and Andy's going to share with us a a pretty large congregational initiative that we're going to need everybody's help to pull off. But today, briefly, I, I want to focus on one thing. What would happen if we reimagined our response? Whether you know it or not, we all get in patterns of response when when a crisis happens. And it could be a really big crisis, but it it could be a small crisis too. But we have typical patterns that we go through. So, for example, I had kind of a a weird week last week. I was at a friend's house, and I accidentally knocked over a glass off the counter, and it fell to the ground and, and shattered And then a few days later, I was putting my favorite coffee mug up in my cabinet as I was unloading the dishwasher, and I dropped it, and my favorite coffee mug shattered on the floor. And then, no kidding, just a few minutes later, I took my second favorite coffee mug, and I was putting it on the shelf, and I dropped it. So I broke three cups in three days. Big crisis? No. Small crisis? Yes. Well, I have a pattern of response. And I'll tell you the main two things I did in this very small crisis. The first thing I did was self-criticize. What's wrong with me? I'm not a child. I'm a grown man. I shouldn't break three glasses in in three days. That was my first response, self-criticism. My second response was just to blame somebody else. Well, if Mary hadn't been talking to me, I wouldn't have dropped the glass. If the dog hadn't run in and got by my feet, I wouldn't have dropped the glass. Now, were those responses that constructive? Not really. I don't even have a dog. (laughs) They weren't constructive at all. I feel like there has to be a better response. There has to be a more helpful response. You see, you have a pattern of response when a crisis happens. And whether you know it or not, some of the ways that you cope with your crisis might not be that healthy. So here's the number one way that we as a society have coped with the pandemic. We have gone into survival mode. And the primary question we've asked ourselves is, how are we going to survive this? I, I heard a story from my mom about a month ago that I'd never heard in my life. So in her younger years, she was part of a camp counselor training program in Wisconsin. And their final test to get trained to be these camp counselors was Her and her friend were sent into the wilderness to survive a day on their own. The supplies that they were given were water, fishing line, a hook, a pocket knife, a piece of rope, and get this a single match. And so she and her friend went out into the wilderness. They used the fishing line and the hook and got a some, they found some bait, and they ended up catching a fish. They used the single match, and they got a fire going, and they ate the fish. They used their ponchos with the rope and some twine, and they created a tent. And they ended up surpassing this test with flying colors. I forgot to tell you how old she was during this test. My mom was 16 years old. So move over, Bear grills, meet Gail Brookman. I'd never heard that story. But the only way she got through this because, was because her main goal was survival. And that's been our main goal in this pandemic. How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive financially? How are we going to survive spiritually? How are we going to survive relationally? So give me the resources and the articles and the books that I need to help me survive. But for a moment, I want you to imagine that there's a different kind of response. In the Bible, there's a really interesting story that I've never preached on. In fact, I've never heard a sermon on this story. It's very, very short. It's in the book of Acts. Paul's in a city called Antioch. It's a large, diverse, Gentile trade city in Syria. And while Paul's doing his ministry, this prophet shows up and he makes this prediction. Here's what Scripture says in verse 28 of Acts chapter 11. Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. So a guy stands up and says, hey, everybody listen to me, a disaster is about to overtake the world. And we actually know from outside sources that this happened in the Roman world. A massive famine came and took over the whole world. And the fine print here of this prediction is this. This means that poverty is about to go up. This means that unemployment is about to go up. It means a lot of people are going to be malnourished. It means a lot of people are going to get sick and a lot of people are going to die. Sound familiar? Now, the question here would be, well, what's the response? Like, how are people going to respond to this this global famine that's going to happen 2,000 years ago? And so this next verse I'm going to read to you on, on one, the one like, level, it's, it's the most boring, bland, generic verse in the Bible, but on a different level, this verse is so instructive to how we can handle our response today. Verse 29, Acts chapter 11, here's what happened. The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. Isn't that simple? The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. So the Antioch disciples just got word that there was going to be a global crisis. And by the way, this included them. Like they were going to lose their jobs. The markets were going to be bare in their city. Their own kids were going to get hungry. The whole world was going to get turned upside down. And notice they did not ask, how can we survive? In fact, they didn't they didn't ask a lot of questions that I would have asked. They didn't ask a question like, "Well, well, how could God stop Jesus from dying and then allow this famine to happen?" They didn't ask the question, "Where is God in the middle of this?" They didn't ask the question, "What kind of a loving God would allow a famine to ravage the world?" And again, they didn't ask the question, "How can we survive?" They simply looked at each other and said, "Okay, how can we help?" Famine's coming. How can we help? So here, here's the really simple point of this message this morning. I think a lot of us are stuck in this pattern of thinking that anytime a crisis happens, we ask the question, well, how am I going to survive? And maybe we could shift that thinking a little bit to ask the question, when any crisis happens, I'm talking really big or really small, maybe the question needs to be, how can I help? In fact, I'd like you to repeat that question. Everybody say, how can I help? And then say it like you actually have a positive attitude. How could I help? <laughs> I know it's simple. But I'm telling you, if you can train your brain to respond that way in a crisis, it's actually going to change the way that you approach the world. And it's going to change the way that you feel about God. It's going to change the way you feel about other people. And ultimately, it's going to change your overall satisfaction in life. In fact, I want to dive just, just for a minute here a little deeper into this response, because I think after reading this really short section of Scripture, Acts chapter 11, I think this is the model Christian response. And here's a few characteristics about this model Christian response. First, it identifies the most affected. Notice that the people in Antioch realized that the poor people in Jerusalem were going to be affected more than they were because they didn't have as much money as the wealthy Gentiles in Antioch. And what this means for us as we continue to go through this pandem- pandemic, it is part of the Christian witness to, to wash our hands and to practice social distancing and to abide by mass requirements because when we do these things, what we're saying is we are doing things which protect the most vulnerable. See, my, it, it might not be about you. It might be about somebody else and these disciples. They got that. They identified the people that would be most effective. Second characteristic of this Christ-centered response is this. It takes global ownership. These disciples are in Antioch. Jerusalem is 300 miles away. And in, in the ancient world, it might as well have been 3,000 miles away. And yet, this is so important. These disciples in Antioch, they understood that their daily decisions affected somebody else's daily bread. In other words, they understood that we are connected as a global And this is such an important mindset to have right now. This is more than just how can I survive. This is how can we survive as a people, as humanity. We we are in this together. And and I would say the exact same principle is true as we continue to fight against racial injustice in our country. To me, the the first step to making progress in that realm is to understand that we're, we're one humanity and it's not necessarily us versus them it's that we are in this together these disciples in antioch in 2000 years ago they understood that they had to meet the crisis not just personally they had to meet the, gris- the crisis globally so so three characteristics of a christ centered response first of all they identified the most affected second of all they took global ownership And third of all, their Christ-centered response embraced variety. If you'll notice in this, this little text, it says, as each one was able, meaning that not every person helped the same. So some people probably gave a lot of money to the poor in Jerusalem. Others maybe gave just a little bit of money to the poor in Jerusalem. Some people probably couldn't give any money at all, and they just got on their knees and prayed. Some people volunteered to take the gift to Jerusalem. So everybody had their own way that they were helping, but one person's version of help was not the exact same as somebody else's version of help. So all this to say, many of us for months now have primarily operated under the mindset of how can I survive? But if you were to reimagine your response to the way that Christians responded 2,000 years ago, I think that you and I would start asking this simple question, how can I help? Everybody say it again, how can I help? So this is what I want you to think about this week. Students, as you go to school, there's a 1,000 questions that you can have in your head. I want you to think, how could I help? For those of you that are stuck at home and you just feel the despair of the four walls of your house, I still want you to ask the question, how can I help? Maybe that involves picking up the phone. Kids, if you're still tracking with me right now, your challenge this week, if you can hear me and and you're a child, is that when you are at home this week, don't wait for your parents to ask you to do something. When you're at home this week, ask yourself, how can I help, and then just do it. Do it without your parents even having to ask you. See, the reason that this is so important is because of this. How can I survive is really all about me, but how can I help is really all about you. And I've learned that the more I think about me, the less happy that I actually am. And so if you, sp- you spend your whole life thinking about yourself and thinking, how can you sur- survive? Then at the end of the day, you're not going to be quite as satisfied and you're not going to be quite as happy. But if you if you can put this question in your head, how can I help? You're going to start thinking about other people. And at the end of the day, the people that think about others are precisely those who are most satisfied in this life. And so I know this is a simple message. How can I help? But that very question is actually at the heart of the gospel. Because if Jesus Christ had come to this earth asking the question, How can I survive? then you and I would still be stuck in our sins. And the power of the devil would not have been broken. But Jesus, when he came into this world, he did not ask the question, how can I survive? He came to this earth and he asked the question, how can I help? You see, Jesus could have survived. We know from scripture he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. And he didn't because he was here to help. And so one more time, repeat after me, how can I help? And again, say it with a positive attitude. How can I help? I know that some of you are thinking, yeah, that's a great generic question, but how do I help specifically? We have a pretty large congregational initiative that we're actually going to need everybody's help to pull off. And so I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to invite Andy Lashley to come up and tell us a little bit more about that, what, what that initiative is.
1: Thanks, Phil. So, just a couple of months ago, two, three months ago, we did a big project that we called Bridges, and it went so well. We were excited by how many of you got involved in helping to bless and encourage a couple of different groups. So, if you remember back kind of towards the end of May, we delivered care packages to... All of our senior adults here at Memorial Road and to many out in our community who are senior adults, and we also spent time blessing and encouraging all of the healthcare professionals that have been so vital and done such an amazing job in serving those uh, needs during these extraordinary times. And so that was a really awesome time. We took meals to area hospitals. We delivered hundreds and hundreds of care packages. We called it Bridges, and so we wanted to do that again. And Specifically, this time around, knowing that we are in the back-to-school season, and in a back-to-school season, it looks unlike any back-to-school season that we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. We wanted to specifically encourage those communities, both our students and our educators. And so our various ministries have been engaged in blessing our students over the last few weeks and heading into this week as well. Our children's ministry is sending out special gifts to all of our school age kids that will be arriving in the mail in time for their first day of school. Our youth ministry has just been killing it over the last few months, being so creative, coming up with new ways for our teens uh, to connect and have fun and still uh, grow in their spirituality over these past few months, and that continues as we head into the school year. Our campus ministry has been gearing up for a return to campus life last week. Uh, Giving out hundreds of care packages to incoming freshmen, and they continue to find new ways to connect with our students. So we're trying to bless our student populations. We specifically need your help with blessing our educators. As we all know right now, there may not have been another group that has been um, challenged as much to just retool on the fly, to come up with new and creative ways of doing their jobs than our educational community. And we so appreciate all of those who are engaged in educating our kids, and we want to say we love you, we appreciate you, we know how hard that you have been working already uh, to get ready for the beginning of school, uh, in whatever way that looks, and that's going to look so different um, at the beginning of this year, but we want to say I love you in a very tangible way. We've got over 200 members of our church family who work in the educational field. Uh, That's teachers, that's administrators, that's professors, that's bus drivers, that's cooks, that's counselors, that's maintenance and building staffs at various schools in the area. We want to say how much we appreciate and love you, and so we need all of your help to do that. We are going to do round two of our Bridges project, and we are going to specifically deliver care packages to all of our Memorial Road members who work in the educational community as i said we've got over 200 of those so we've got hundreds of care packages ready to pick up and deliver to our memorial road members who work in the educational world and as supplies last, if you have other neighbors and friends, part members of the community who also work in the educational world, you can grab an additional care package and deliver it to them as well. And so we're going to send out word on how you can sign up and do that. We'll have a big drive-through uh, pickup of care packages tomorrow afternoon from 4 to 6, and we'll get you more information about that. But we need a whole bunch of you to volunteer to gl- deliver a care package or two to our educational community to just let them know how much we appreciate them. And and then secondly, we're going to do afternoon or breakfast snack times for area schools. Um, we're excited about this. We've got um, 13 to 15, something like that, different schools in our close geographic proximity. That's everyone from Oklahoma Christian University right over here to uh, Orvis Reisner to Northern Hills to Millwood. We've got a bunch of different schools that we have been in contact with, and we've told them we want to deliver breakfast goodies or afternoon goodies Uh, To treat your staff at some point over the next week or two. And so Beth Brewer has been organizing all of that for us. And this is a great project for a Q group or a Bible class or even a family to take on. And so when you sign up to take one of those groups, Beth will be in contact with you about exactly what that looks like. And we will get you all the information you need to bless a school and their staff in our vicinity and so we hope that you will jump on this you did last time in huge numbers and i know you will again and so you can look for an email that's going to go out a little bit later on today probably this morning that will give you specific information about how to sign up to deliver care packages to memorial road members and then how to sign up to deliver a breakfast or an afternoon snack to an area school for your group and so we'll get you all the information you need on that so look for an email to sign up, or you can go to mrcc.org bridges. All of that information is already posted on there. You can get a head start in signing up for that as well. We're really excited about this opportunity to build bridges with our own membership and with our community as well and let them know just how much we appreciate all of those that are working in extraordinary times to serve and to educate our youth. Um, in our community. And so we really do appreciate you. We're going to sing one more song here in just a minute. Scott is going to lead us in that. But Before we do that, let me lead us in just a quick word of prayer. God, I'm grateful for today. What a beautiful day to be outside for those of us who are here in the parking lot. We're also grateful for technology and for all of us who are are worshiping from our homes remotely. uh, We are just grateful to be your church. We're thankful that you have empowered us to participate in your work here on this earth. And as we try to come up with creative new ways to say we love you and to to help in this time, we pray that as we we try to bless and appreciate those who are part of our educational community, both in our membership and our community, that you will empower many, many of our members to step forward and to do that through this Bridges Project. And so we want to deliver care packages and snacks and meals to say we love you. We're so grateful for all of those um, who have trained and educated themselves in order to pass that along to our kids. We just want to express that to everyone in our church and in our community. I'm so grateful for a church that loves to serve, that loves to ask the question, how can I help, and then to follow through on that. So help us to have that attitude this week and beyond And we want to bless all of our kids, all of those students who are going back to school in some form or fashion this week. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful for the model that he set in this behavior during his time on this earth, how he came here to ask, how can I be of service? How can I help? Rather than just to ask, how can I survive? We're thankful for the example of Jesus Christ. And In his holy name we pray, amen.